0: All right, y'all I got another episode. Hey, and this is a cool one because I was meeting at the country club every Friday as I always do with my buddy David Darty. Shout out to David Darty, Starchy's cleaners. But for the last four years we meet there and uh, you know, keep keep, keep each other accountable to life and business. And so um a couple of other guys, and by the way, country club, y'all live in Starbucks in Cedar Hill. But um uh a couple of other guys that are members of the country club were there and they had a new a new guest and I got a chance to meet him and it was the new police chief, uh, Chief Reyes of Cedar Hill. And I asked him to be on my podcast. So thanks for coming on. And
1: Happy to I- do it. I'm glad
0: to be here. Yeah. And so let's, let's, let's go back to the beginning. Officer Reyes or Chief Reyes, um, wh- where are you from? And- so, yeah, I was born in California.
1: Okay. Um, I grew up in, in Silicon Valley. Uh, most of my friends and, and family uh, worked in the high-tech industry, uh, you know, they worked at atari or intel or eva packer or, you know apple up and coming in that area um so I, I grew up there played baseball and football my whole life um my parents were young parents they uh, my I have an older brother um my mom was 16 when she got pregnant with him and i think my dad was 17. Um, so they were very young parents and then i was born a couple years later um and so as we grew up um you know, both my parents, being young parents, still wanted to live life to its fullest. And, you know, they they tended to enjoy the party life a lot. And uh, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house um, there. And uh, both my parents struggled with drug and alcohol abuse. Uh, my father was very abusive to my mother. Um, There's a lot of domestic violence uh, in my home. And, uh, you know, when I turned, uh, I, was, I remember I was in ninth grade, um, you know, they, they use, spend all their money on drugs and alcohol. And we got evicted from our home and my parents were living in their car. Um, and I was staying with my cousin and friends and stuff like that. And, um, they made the decision to move to Texas. Uh, my grandparents uh, were from Eagle Pass, Texas. They moved to California. Um, my dad had seven brothers and a sister. They all moved to California. Um, and then once my grandparents retired, they came back to Eagle Pass. So my parents felt that if they um, wanted to get away from the drugs and alcohol that they were going to have to get away from that friends and that group. So we ended up moving to Texas uh, for my sophomore, junior and senior year. So I lived with my grandmother during mm-hmm. that time. Um, my dad's youngest brother, uh, Juan Reyes, uh, Uncle Johnny, I call him, he, uh, uh, he was the youngest. And so when I was at my grandma's, he was still in school. So he was around a lot. And um and then when I was five, I think he went off to the army, and uh, I thought that was just the coolest thing you know, as a five-year-old. Senior. <laughs> and then uh, he came back from the army, and uh, he uh, coached my football team, a baseball team, and then he joined the sheriff's department, and then he joined San Jose Police Department. Um, and then so uh, I got to to see his successes in life and look at things that he did. And so I was like, you know, if I want to be like him, then I need to follow his footsteps. So uh, when I graduated high school, I went straight into the army. Um, Appreciate your service. And I, um, uh, I was thinking about making a career out of it. I ended up, I was, my first uh, job was in military intelligence. Uh, I spent two years down in Panama, uh, spent a little bit of time at Fort Carson in Colorado. I was a sergeant and so I decided to re-enlist because I knew I wanted to be a cop. I said, well, I'm going to be an MP now. So I re-enlisted and went to MP school. Um, and then I went to Korea for a year. Uh, came back from Korea and I got stationed at Fort Hood and uh, uh, had an opportunity to go down and do some security uh, out at, at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba uh, at the refugee camps there with the Cuban refugees. I uh, did that for a while and then I got back and I decided that you know, I wanted to just get out of the military and pursue my, my uh, passion of being a police officer. Um, and so when I got out of the army, my uncle, Juan, he's like, hey, you need to come back to California. We're hiring in San Jose, and, you know, cost of living over there, is, even back then in the 90s was, I mean, just, I told my son, where am I going to live? Right. Yeah. Right. He said, oh, well, you can stay with me. He had four kids. Right? <laughs> I'm like, I can't do that. I'm a grown man, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, the Austin Police Department was uh, doing a, a recruiting drive, and I put an application, and. They hired me, and I started the police academy, and you know, I spent the next 23 years with the Austin awesome Police Department.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so um, go, going back to California, because I want to, um, Silicon, Silicon Valley, your friends, how, like how did, how, did, um, how did all that play out? Like you still keep in t- contact with your friends? Did any of them join any of the big companies?
1: I, I have, uh, I do keep in contact with, I have one really good friend of mine, uh, Ray Ray. Um, he actually came in, flew in from California for my swearing in uh, here. And so he was here for that. So I do keep in contact. And, you know, um, what I didn't say is a couple of years ago, my uncle, um, he got ALS. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's been really tough.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that's uh, I never knew anybody with ALS, but watching that the, dis- the progression of that disease, um, it's just heart-wrenching. It was pretty tough. And so uh, I go back uh, periodically, um, you know, maybe once a quarter, uh, just fly up there for a weekend just mm-hmm. to spend some time with my uncle and I get to see my friends and stuff at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, a lot of them are, are uh, working in high tech industry over there um, and, uh, you know, I keep in contact with a lot of them. And usually when I go busy, we have like a little mini reunion. I know we have our, our 30th class reunion coming up this year in, mm-hmm. uh, in July, so um, I might make it back for that.
0: And I'm so, sure you, wear, you make sure to wear your Cowboys uh, I do. shirt when you home. <laughs> yeah, and my buddy's a 49ers fan, so
1: we already looked at the schedule. And they don't play this year, and we're like, dang. Now they used to play every year, but they don't anymore. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he's got season tickets to the 49ers games over there. So he's a big 49ers fan. So that's always been a little rivalry that we got going on. So
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, and so you went to Austin. And and before before we talked, you had a unique – Um, story about Austin so you were at Austin during the package bombings last year
1: yeah that was a that was a pretty uh, contentious time and in our and it really tested the resolve of the community um, being attacked uh, by an unknown assailant who's just basically randomly placing bombs on people's porches Um, it was really uh, you know you had to really take a take a look at yourself and your family and your community and and try to come together and, you know, fortunately we had, uh, you know, you don't understand the power of uh, the federal government or law enforcement uh, until you see it in action. Right. And um, we had great partnerships with federal agencies that came in and helped and, you know, we had the FBI, ATF, um, you know, all the what we call alphabet soup, you know, all the three other mm-hmm, agencies were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we were able to uh, get that guy identified and located in a short, what I believe was be it was a short amount smart. of time, um, especially when you look historically on other uh, bombings that occur, the amount of time that it takes uh, to solve those. Um, but yeah, it was a you know it was a tough time. You know it was a you know especially having to come home. You know if, if you know I think my family is just the same as everybody else's family. You got people buying stuff off of online or Amazon every day, and mm-hmm. you're getting packages every day, and you know my kids get off the bus every day and they're always picking up packages bringing them in and you know it's a tough conversation to have with a 10 year old and eight an year old that they're no longer allowed to pick up packages mm-hmm. and then have to explain to them why right and then you know for the next several days every day with daddy did you catch the bomber daddy did you catch the bomber um and our uh you know our our bomb squad uh worked really hard on that case with all of our partners and uh, our homicide investigators. It was just a, an excellent team effort uh, to bring that to a conclusion.
0: Yeah. You're, cause it it was super quick. I remember watching it and I was going, man, how are they going to catch this guy? You know, and literally probably an hour after I saw it and, 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 and said that, um, and I, I might've been real late, but I was like, Oh, they, are, they got the guy already, you know, and that was, that was amazing. Right. Yeah. So, um, no, that's, <clears throat> so what, what ended up bringing you to uh, Cedar Hill? You know, um, I
1: was an assistant chief in the Austin Police Department, and you know I always had an aspiration to be a chief of police. Um, but when you when you grow up in a um, large organization like that, you you realize that once you reach the rank of assistant chief, uh, if you want to be a chief of police, you're going to have to uh, look to another city to go be a chief. And so you know I I um, saw the the position posted, uh, and I researched the city, visited the community. Uh, brought my family over here to to look at it, and um, you know we live in a small town um, south of Austin, Buda, um, so mm-hmm. and we're used to living in that small town uh, environment. Um, but I'm used to working in a bigger city, and and I thought that you know being having the ability to work and live in that same small town environment would be a really good opportunity for for me to uh, get to know officers, get to know the community. Uh, have my family be part of everything um, and just, uh, you know, take the experience and everything I've done in Austin and try to help uh, move this organization forward. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and this is kind of an off topic side note, right? I've always, so I, you know, I went to school in San Antonio, uh, you know, and we lived there for uh, some years before we, we moved here. And um, what I noticed was California Austin, San Antonio um, has a feel like Cedar Hill. Uh, you know, I know it's not as many hills, but I was like, man, this is like one of the few places in the Metroplex that feels that way. Did, did you feel the same way or was that just me making that up?
1: It, uh, no, the, the, like the hill country vibe, mm-hmm. you know, that we have over there, the Texas hill country. Um, it's interesting because the first time I came to Cedar Hill, it was, I was actually on my way to a Cowboys game <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to go in a day early and I'm going to visit uh, city and when I first drove in um, the first it was the evening time and I saw the towers and I was like oh wow that's pretty cool I wonder if that's in Cedar Hill and then I I passed the smokestacks in Midlothian, and then I got into Cedar Hill and the towers are like smack dab in the middle (laughs) and it's like it's almost like um, it was like a beacon right calling me Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of strange uh, and then I drove around that, that area over there, because I went straight to the towers, and I saw the lake, and I was like, man, what a beautiful lake, and mm-hmm. some of the, the communities over there, and, and I drove into the downtown area, and,
0: um, and then, yeah, it was uh, that, that hill country feel. It is, mm-hmm. it is kind of similar. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. and I'll and i, and I I'll give kudos to the Cedar Hill um, Police Department, because um, through my chamber affiliations, I've gotten to meet a lot of the officers in, like, Y'all are like some nice police officers, like, for real, you know, um, and for the most part, I think the perception of a lot of officers is that most of them aren't nice, the ones I've met are nice, but Cedar Hill, I think, just the community is just kind of, you mentioned, nice, together, approachable, right, and I'm, um, that's one thing, that I, that's why I was excited about interviewing you, because I was like, I think, uh, when I met you, I was like, oh, he's just like, you know, the the officers I know here, so,
1: yeah, so uh, we came up and uh, we we went camping because we like to go camping, and so I brought the family up and we were camping at the lake and we visited around the community and and when we were here, I think it was January, um, we saw some signs for uh, the MLK event at Trinity Church, and uh, my son saw the sign. He's like, Dad, can we come back and go to that? I've been learning about him in school. And I was like, Yeah, if you want to come back, we can come back for that. And so uh, him and I made a boys weekend uh, that came up for the MLK event at Trinity Church. Mm -hmm. And he just thought that was the coolest thing. (laughs) You know, he took pictures and he took them back to school and showing them off to his teacher in Mm -hmm. class that he got to see MLK 3rd. You know, how awesome was that? Um, And and while I was there at that event, I saw the mayor come up and speak and I saw um, the library director and I I I saw a lot of different people come up there and speak about the sense of community togetherness mm-hmm. uh, the city of Cedar Hill has. And I was like, you know, that solidified my decision because I was still in the process when that was occurring. Mm-hmm. And I was like,
0: man, this is, this is where I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so now, now, now that you're here, what, um, I, I, it's, it's my opinion, right, that Cedar Hill, in, in the history of Cedar Hill, we're going to look back 30 years and say, this was the time period where Cedar Hill either maximized its potential or dropped the ball but I think Cedar Hill has a big opportunity to be a big, a big suburb, right? A, you know, Plano, Frisco, Arlington, you know, tight, not exactly like them, but uh, level city, which means as you have that kind of growth, you have the positives and the negatives that might come with that. So, um, you know, w- what's your, what's your thoughts on keeping Cedar Hill safe and, and the strategy for that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, to keep the city safe, one, we, ha- we have to have trust in the community. We have to rely on our community partners out there to call the police, to be good witnesses, to report criminal activity. Um, Because without the community, um, you know, we don't really have a whole lot of information. We rely on people to call 911. Mm -hmm. They see see suspicious activity or um, they witness a crime uh, and we rely on them to help keep the city safe. You know, the officers can respond, but if no one calls, then there's really nothing to respond to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think one, making sure that the community feels confident in their police department and they trust them that they're going to do a good job. It's kind of like what you said, you know, the officers here are nice. And I tell my officers that every call for service is an opportunity to build a relationship. You have this, this needle of trust in the community. And when you're interacting with a member of the public, you can either move that needle of trust to the positive or move that needle of trust to the negative. And as our Responsibility to make sure that we're always pushing that needle of trust to the positive. Um, and, you know, officers are going to take a lot of calls a day. They might take 10, 15 calls a day, mm-hmm. you know, and, but someone that calls 911, that might be the only time they ever interact with an officer. You know, to the officer, it's just another call, but to that person, that's what's going to shape their perception of how they feel about police officers. Mm-hmm. And so we really have to take advantage of that moment and help. To establish that
0: trust and build upon that Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you know it's funny you know i was somewhere and they said hey who here is doing what they thought they would do when they were like seven or eight and i was like yeah I'm, you know i'm doing what i wanted to do when i turned 19 you know when i was seven or eight i wanted to be a, a detective specifically right i was a batman fan and i was like oh batman's a detective i want to be a detective so uh it's funny that uh it it didn't. A, after I after I figured out. Wait a minute. Like, you grow up and you actually like, you can actually like. It's not the, at the end of the episode, right? You can actually like not have another episode. You know. I was like, I think I'll. Uh, I think I'll go into business. <laughs> you know. You know. But um. Uh, but, but you know, um, law enforcement was one of the first things that, um, I wanted to do. Matter of fact, my mom still said, I should went to law school. She said you should have at least been an attorney. I was like, yeah, mom. But yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, one of the other things that we need to make sure we're doing is is planning for growth, right? Because when you talk about the life cycle of a police officer, when you when you get a new police officer position, you gotta you gotta somebody has to apply for the position. Mm-hmm. They got to pass the test and then you got to do a background investigation on that person to make sure that they pass the background test. And then they have to go through the police academy. Mm-hmm. You know? And then once they graduate the police academy, they have to go through their training period with the police department, ride with the field training officer. And so you know, the time between that you hire or you get authorized to have a next one more police officer to the time that person actually becomes functional,
0: you're talking about a year.
1: Okay, right. And so, um, so it, you don't want to be playing catch up, because you have that year. So you just need to meet make sure that you have good planning processes in place to forecast out growth for population mm-hmm. growth for uh, you know, businesses are going to be coming because even though the daytime population might be a certain number, mm-hmm. if you have, you know, for example, you know, the convention center right Let's go. how many people visitors is that going to bring mm-hmm. in right because that that takes you know you have more visitors you're going to have uh, more activity you know, mm-hmm. it just goes hand in hand and so i think it's just um you know developing a, a strategic plan to make sure that we have uh, the staffing and the officers in place to, to maintain the same level of service that we provide to the community now mm-hmm. um, and keeping it safe you know I, I left i printed out the um the last month of of, of activity here Um, And, you know, one of the things that we're very fortunate to have in Cedar Hill is our community partnerships, Mm -hmm. right? And we have a great Citizens on Patrol program. And through our Citizens Police Academy that we, you know, we bring people through in. And by the way, if you haven't been to the Citizens Police Academy, you need to go. Okay. Okay. And once once you're part of that, then you can volunteer as part of the alumni program. And we have um, Citizens out on patrol that handle some of the really minor low-level incidents where somebody might call but it doesn't really need a police officer. Mm-hmm. And so we have, you know, these 686 hours last month of volunteer hours awesome. also where citizens are volunteering, spending time out in the community, freeing up our police officers to respond to emergencies. Mm. Right? And so that's a great program that we have. And it really is a force multiplier for us.
0: That's huge. That's one way maybe I can fulfill my childhood dream. There you go.
1: There yeah, you go. Yeah. Go to the Citizens Police Citizen. Academy and start volunteering.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, um, and you mentioned the network, you mentioned the growth in the city. And, um, and I, and I had a, I had a question when you, that's what it was, technology. How is technology impacting the ability for police officers to do, police officers to do more with less time? Yeah.
1: And so, you more, know,
0: more, more, yeah.
1: To do more with less. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the, pieces of technology that helps us is, is license plate readers, right? If an officer is driving around in their patrol car, they can, they can see license plates in parking lots or cars driving by and they can manually type them in and search license plates all, all day long, right? Um, but if they have a license plate uh, reader assigned to the, uh, attached to the car, that's automatically doing it for them. And they don't have to be doing it. it's automatic. they can just drive through a parking lot automatically to will check in all those license plates and what we're checking for stolen vehicles Mm -hmm. um serious you know felony warrants Mm -hmm. that somebody might have um and that's what it's checking for and so that's one piece of technology that's kind of a force multiplier uh the other piece of technology that um, i i understand you have uh, a lot of experience (laughs) with um is the red light cameras you know I i we don't have the resources to place an officer at every high crash intersection in the city. Um, and so what we do is identify locations uh, where people uh, tend to run red lights. Uh, <laughs> and in response, we place, we put red light cameras there. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's not really fair that I got a ticket from a camera, you know, <laughs> or there's some you know things about, well, the ticket goes to the registered owner of the vehicle. And that maybe that wasn't the person that was driving the vehicle, right? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you a registered owner of a vehicle? Absolutely. If somebody is driving your vehicle, do you know who was driving it? Yep.
0: Well, then. Yep. then and, the, and they give you the video, the time, the date. And you should know exactly who is.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, and so there's a lot of controversy about red light cameras that, oh, you're sending it to the registered owner and you sh- they might not be that person. But let me ask, you, on the flip side of that, for as long as I can remember and as long as you can remember, people write handicap parking tickets. Mm-hmm. Or a parking ticket for parking in a fire lane.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who does that ticket go to? Yeah. The city. It goes to the registered owner of the oh, vehicle. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right? Mm-hmm. So if forever we've been writing tickets to registered owners of vehicles mm-hmm. for parking violations. Mm-hmm. For something as dangerous as running a red light, yeah. why should we not be able to write a ticket to a registered owner for running a red light?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And on the flip side of that, this is it's not a, a a criminal violation it's Mm -hmm. a civil fine
0: right
1: you just pay the civil fine and actually the fine is less through the red light program than if you actually got the ticket from an officer (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um and you know it it cuts down on crashes and it helps keep our community safer and even though we've had the, even though it's advertised if you use the Waze app on your phone Mm -hmm. it will tell you red light camera ahead yeah it warns you we put up a sign that tells you it's a red light camera Mm -hmm. and then people still run the red light so here, here we are looking at the stats for uh, March, and look how many people still run the red light. Uh, Eight hundred and twenty-three violations for the month of March.
0: Man, right? Man, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, this is why I like the uh, people think I'm crazy about the driverless cars. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you probably see this. People are like it's not safe. I'm like, bro, it's safer than humans because people don't even look at the road anymore. Like, it's it's ridiculous. I'm like, at least, a, I would imagine if you have the driverless car, uh, at least for me, because I'm a, I'm a huge contributor to Duncanville and uh, Cedar Hills ticketing. You know, my, mine is not running the red lights. Mine is more the fully stopped, <laughs> you know, which is still uh, a violation, but um, I, I, I like to pay my contributions to, to, to doing that. But the point is, like a driverless car would stop me from doing that. Right? Right. That bad human habit, right? You just, it's crazy. It
1: you is, and, and you know what? Even outside of the driverless car, even like rideshares, right? Those guys are driving for a living mm-hmm. and they want to make sure that they're safe. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the things that we did here in March is we did a, a DWI initiative, right? And you would think that in today's time with so many different options for people to, to use rideshare um, and all of the data and information that's being shared out there, that people would not be driving intoxicated mm-hmm. anymore. You know, I was a uh, when I was a detective, I worked traffic fatalities for four years. That's mm-hmm. all I did, and I will tell you that over half of the traffic fatalities uh, are alcohol related. Mm-hmm. Um, know, and, and when we did our initiative in, in March, we had uh, 21 arrests for DWI um, during spring break. And um, that last year. And so, you know, that's 21 people that are putting themselves and other people at risk out on the street driving intoxicated in our community. You know, and that's just not a risk that anybody needs to take. Um, There are so many options out there with rideshare programs. But what we find out is that when people know that they're going to go out and they're going to have a couple of drinks, they don't have a plan. You got to have a plan before you leave the house. Mm-hmm. Because if you try to develop your plan after you've had a few drinks, mm-hmm. you're yeah. not thinking straight, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of things, a lot of times people don't understand what 0.08 is, right? One of the things that, uh, that we had the benefit of doing is uh, we had like an alcohol workshop where we brought people in to help train the officers on uh, DWI investigation, Mm -hmm. because we brought community members in and let them drink alcohol in a controlled environment, uh, let them see what their blood alcohol content was, and then we knew what it was because we tested it, and then we had the officer give them the test to make sure that the officer knows how to properly conduct the test and how to identify if someone's intoxicated or not. And what we get time and time again with the participants in that program is that they were over, they were 0.10 or 0.08 or 0.12. And they were like, I would have driven tonight. Mm-hmm. I've driven like this before. I know mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. And I feel comfortable driving right now. Um, so people really don't know what 0.08 is. Mm-hmm. And you can go to Amazon. You can buy a portable breath test mm-hmm. for 50 bucks. And so if you don't know what 0.08 is, buy a portable breath test. The next time that you go out, Test
0: yourself. Mm-hmm. See what
1: it see what it reads. Just say so you have a feeling, an understanding of what that feels
0: like. Yeah, yeah. No, you 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 would you would love this. I wonder if I can do it while we're recording on my phone because this is what me and my wife um, do. You'll see, like on my Friday night. Let's see, Friday nights that pops up at five o'clock every every Friday. Never night. drink and drive. That's yeah, nice. be, because it, it, it's just when I'm like, and I have a, I have a good life. I got a family. You know, um, spending 60, 70 bucks on an Uber to go out is worth, like, ending somebody's life or my life. Like, it's just, I mean, it's an expense. Yeah. But it's just, like you said, because if I don't, you know, if I don't Uber um, and I have a couple of drinks, and you just, you don't, you know, you don't know. I mean, God blessed me to live this far off some st- stupidity in the past. Yeah. I'm like, I can't, you know, right. I don't want to yeah. mess that up. And then people are like, why do I leave my car here, you know? I mean, <laughs> you, wanna, you, so, I mean just, you know what
1: happens when people start drinking and trying to make those those decisions. I mean, it just doesn't doesn't
0: bode well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll get to the five questions that I ask everybody um, at the end. Is if you can go back and talk to uh, Mr. Chief Reyes, I guess you wouldn't be Chief Reyes at 22, but if, <laughs> if you can go talk to uh, talk to yourself at 22, what would you tell yourself?
1: You know, I would tell myself that. Um, when, so I was, I think I was, well, let's just say when I, I was still in the military when I was 22, so I'm going to go up to 24 when I got out of the military and I started with the police department. I would tell myself back then that before you get your first paycheck for your first job, um, that you take out 5% or whatever percent of your check and just put that aside to invest, uh, in either you know, a uh, 401k or deferred compensation Mm -hmm. right from the beginning. Because if you take it out in the beginning, you'll never miss it Mm -hmm. because you haven't got your first paycheck yet, (laughs) right? right? right, right. And once you get your first paycheck, that's what you're expecting to get every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And if you already took out the 5% that's going into your investment portfolio, Mm -hmm. you're never going to miss it. And if you do it on a percentage base, as you get pay increases, that 5% actually increases over time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I would have done. I didn't really start uh, investing in uh, my deferred compensation program until I probably had about 10, 12 years on the police department. So that's 10 or 12 years of investment money, compounding interest that I lost out on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's one of the things that I've been teaching my kids. Um, my kids get a $10 allowance every week and they have three Mason jars on their dresser. Right. And on the, has a Sharpie on top. And one of them says spend and one of them has "save," and one of them has give. So I get, give them five one five dollars and five, $1 bills. They put $6 in their spend, $2 in their save and $2 in their give. I like that. Um, and so they have that. And, you know, and then at the end of when they get so much money, they, a lot of, I, they have a savings account they give it to me and say daddy can you put this in my bank and so I show them I do it on my phone on the app I make the transfer and they get to see their bank account increase and then they spend you know I don't know how old your kids are eight and three okay so my son is nine and all of his spend money goes to fortnight so <laughs> you know but that's his money. money that's what he chooses to do with it I'll judge you know. um, but there's there uh their give money they have done a lot of different things with that um they've uh, uh done food bank uh, we had a uh, one of uh, the employees that works with my wife was going through a difficult time and so uh, they gave her the money mm-hmm. that's pretty touchy to that,
0: that's part, especially at that younger age
1: too. Yeah, yeah for them to to understand the power of giving how it's our responsibility to make sure that, that we help others if we can mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah.
0: Yep okay um what about places you so i'm always looking for good stock ideas right so I'm, looking, <laughs> I'm looking for places place where, where folks like to spend money so when, whenever you do you know outlay some money what are the places you like to to go and spend
1: oh let's see disney you know disney, disney okay. uh we go on cruises uh so for vacation um and of course you know man we Probably shop at Amazon ten times a month at least. They make it so easy. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. Well, hey, one thing that I need here, and you say so, Chamber, Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. well, we need to get an HEB, man.
0: We do need oh, an HEB.
1: Oh, <laughs> My wife. Hey, keeps who do saying. I gotta write a letter
0: to?
1: <laughs> because <laughs> I had to drive to
0: Waxahachie to
1: yeah. Do an HEB.
0: Yeah. And you know they, they own some property in DeSoto. But it's been for years. They haven't done anything with it. We need to bring it to Cedar. You should bring so it. I need to. Who do I need to? Just tell me who I need to write a letter to. Hey, we need to. we're in the right <laughs> building. Somebody <who> knows.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I missed my HEB.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Walmart. You know, uh, HEB. Uh, you know, just places that. You know, this new concept of one-stop shop, where you can just go into one store mm-hmm. and you get. You know, you can buy a light bulb or you can buy a head of lettuce.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's yeah. convenient. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. what, what, what about news? So, and you don't got to go specific places, but I'm curious where people get their information. Is it Google, mm-hmm. social media, newspapers, TV? How do you get your.
1: And so uh, I'm on Twitter okay. uh, at chief Eli Reyes.
0: Okay. At Twitter. chief Eli Reyes. Okay.
1: Um, and so that's Eli with a Y E L Y. Um, and so, uh. I, I get a news feed on Twitter, you know, I, I follow uh, a lot of different news outlets on mm-hmm. um, both local and on a national level. Uh, so I do that. And then um, I uh, I always have this TV on the news right mm-hmm. here. I don't always have the volume on, but it's always on. Uh, and then if I'm just working at my desk, I have it on. I'm just listening to it in the background. Mm-hmm. And then speaking of Amazon, you know, when I come in in the morning, <laughs> Alexa, play my news flash. nice well,
0: that's the future right there Alexa stop
1: and so I get my news flash in the morning I have about five different uh, um, news outlets that I get it from because I like to get a variety mm-hmm. of perspective mm-hmm. um, and so I listen to that every morning when I come in mm-hmm. And the news on here and then Twitter hmm.
0: so. hey it's funny you did that because one of my main reasons my one of my shadow reasons for doing the podcast ask Philip. I'm gonna give my developer to build a Ask Philip app. So you say, Alexa, ask Philip how the stock market is <laughs> So I'm, I'm gonna have all these episodes that you can pull from. Um, oh, oh she, 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 uh, she thought I was talking to her.
1: You know what's gonna happen is people are gonna be listening to the podcast and, and they're gonna be, you know, getting stuff on their Amazon. <laughs> right, right. Alexa, buy some toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, will <be> like ah. <laughs> um, uh, shows. So whenever you do your downtime and leisure time, what are some of the shows or movies you like to watch?
1: Um and so I do Netflix a lot, okay. you know, and uh one of the one of the things, one of the shows that we've been watching, uh, well not on Netflix, but on TV that I've been recording is um uh God me. Oh is that good? Yeah,
0: the guy's got a podcast, man. For you I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah,
1: God me. Uh-huh. That's a pretty good show. I keep seeing yeah. it. I just
0: never mm-hmm. stopped to watch it yeah, okay. should
1: I watch it So it's pretty good. We we um, that's one show that my wife and I watched together. Um I watched all of um Madam Secretary. Uh-huh. I love that show. <laughs> I, just, like, I binge watched that, Madam Secretary, um you know um the other one with uh, the president uh House of Cards. House of Cards, yeah. Watch all that. Mm-hmm. Um and then there was the one uh with uh Jason Jason Bateman where he's uh, oh, yeah. The money. yeah oh I love that one. Yeah. He comes out
0: in the summertime. Yeah, um, so I watched all of that mm-hmm. one. That one that's yeah. good.
1: And so really, you know, uh usually what I do is that it's just whatever I can watch on Netflix when I get downtime. Especially if I'm traveling or something, I'll just watch it on the plane or in the hotel
0: room. Netflix something. is so smart at that because I can't I can't do the week to week, yeah. but if, when I do get downtown, then I'll yeah. just catch up and then I'll go days that I watch on TV. So.
1: But I think like my favorite movie of all time, um, it's either going to be uh, Remember the Titans. That was a good one. Or
0: uh, um, Sandlot, like Sandlot. I was walking out the other day. I did like the same. Oh, yeah. That was a good movie. Two classics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. New uh, York and the back. Yeah. I don't know if you watched that nah, back I've in the day. That. that was one of the shows that influenced me wanting to be a detective too. You know, I have a hard time watching cop shows. Yeah, you know, they're nah. so
1: unreal. I started watching Blue Bloods, mm-hmm. And I had to stop like after three or four <laughs> episodes. Because it's like this guy gets in a shooting every episode. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I've never had to to fire my weapon in the line of duty and I pray that I never will. Mm-hmm. But if I did, I guarantee you, I wouldn't be at work tomorrow right. or the next day or the day after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah. you know,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. just unrealistic expectations that a lot of these, uh, these cop shows have, have set for society, especially the CSI effect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people seem to think that the stuff that they see that I have something in my office where I can just put my hand up in the air <laughs> and this magical screen comes up and I could like, you know, mm-hmm pull all the crime for the whole country and, you know, <laughs> like can, Tony Stark yeah, yeah. You know, I can you know or I can take a picture of a car and I can it'll tell you you know who owns it
0: <laughs> I feel I feel the same way about billions people are like oh is that how your day is like I'm like if you follow me around my day you'll be like this is boring this is <laughs> CPA account level boring yeah, yeah. last question if uh, w- what are the top three books you've read uh recently or of all times when i say read it can be listen but just top three books
1: and so um i'm, I'm more of a listener i mm. do uh, audio books but i do a lot of podcasts too like john maxwell books
0: mm.
1: um and uh, uh there's a book called uh, it's your ship it's your ship yeah leadership book um and um, and so I think that, you know, listening to, I, I like to listen to like the little, the John Maxwell, um, they're like little 12 minute snippets, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because they're short. Um, but there's also, you know, some some lo- longer ones that I've listened to. And, and some of the, um, like, uh, it's American, it's American, uh, American life, or your, something like that on a podcast that my wife actually got me listening to. So, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, when I was in Austin, yeah, it was like, I think it was about 12 miles from my house to my office and mm-hmm. by an hour drive.
0: I know because that Austin
1: roadways are crazy, <laughs> yeah. And so, listening to podcasts in the morning <laughs> gave me an opportunity to do something mm-hmm. while I'm driving. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found here is it's about seven minutes, <laughs> 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 whole lot of time to to right? Morning. Right, so, um, yeah, but uh. But yeah, I like it. That's what I do. I'm not a real reader, big reader. My wife is a huge reader. She reads probably a book a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but me, I'm more of an audio type
0: guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably five years ago, I signed up with Audible.com. Before mm-hmm. that, yeah. I read 10 books a year. Now I might read two. Yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Actually, I probably read more than 10. Yeah. But, uh, well, I appreciate your time because uh, it's super valuable. And I appreciate you protecting this wonderful city. Uh, I look forward to getting to know you more and um, come football season. I didn't tell you this. I'm, not, uh, I'm a Saints fan, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that game. Mm-hmm. I'll be talking lots of trash if I see you in the streets. All right. All right. Look, at, look at the schedule and let's see when
1: they play and let's go.
0: Okay, right. definitely. Definitely. Right. Well, hey, appreciate you. Yep. Thank you.